You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. Hey there, the IU Michigan postgame show is coming right up. But before we get to that, a quick word from this week's sponsor, SeatGeek. As you know, getting tickets online can be far too complicated. There are hundreds of sites, varying levels of reliability, and that makes it hard to know who to trust. But that's why SeatGeek is the way to go. SeatGeek pulls millions of tickets into one place so that you can easily find the seats you want for a price you're willing to pay. There is nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for great value. SeatGeek is actually designed to make the ticket buying experience easier than ever. And the way that they do this is by searching multiple ticket sites and grading every ticket based on value. So SeatGeek helps you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. You go to the site, you pull up the app, and right away you can see which tickets would be the best value for your dollar, which is always important when you're planning an outing, whether it be for a concert or a sporting event, whatever it may be. And very importantly, every purchase is fully guaranteed so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone. I use it when I need tickets, and that's why I feel comfortable recommending it to you as well. And best of all, listeners of the Assembly Call get $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. So download the SeatGeek app, enter the promo code ASSEMBLY, and you'll get that $10 off. Again, that's promo code ASSEMBLY for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek, life's an event. We have the tickets. And now, here's the IU Michigan Postgame Show. SeatGeek, life's an event, we have the tickets. And now, here's the IU-Illinois postgame show. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to another disappointed episode of the Assembly Call, as today your Indiana Hoosiers went on the road to Michigan and fell to the Wolverines 74-63 to in a, another game where the Hoosiers just got off to a bad start and were never able to recover. We've talked about how at some point these bad starts would come back to bite Indiana in the rump because they would face a team uh, that they weren't able to, to come back against, and while they did battle back and while they did make the final you know, 32 minutes of the game competitive, the way the game started just hung over the rest of the proceedings like a dark cloud, and Indiana was never able to fully battle back and fully challenge uh, at the end of the game because of that slow start. I'm your host, Jared Morris. I'm here with Ryan Phillips and the coach, Brian Tonsoni, and we are going to break it all down for you on this edition of the Assembly Call IU postgame show. And let's start the show how we start every show, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And for the banner moment, obviously nothing from the first eight to nine minutes of this game uh, is going to be chosen. Let's uh, let's just forget all of that happened, uh, although we won't. We're going to break down <laughs> what went wrong. But I want to take you to the second half. It was 70 to 58. Juwan Morgan drains a three, and it's, 71, it's 70 to 61. There's about three minutes left in the game. Now, it's not as if at this point Indiana was truly challenging to win the game. A lot would have had to go right, but... At this point, I looked at the plus minus, and at this moment, Romeo's at plus two, Juwan was at zero for the game. So, in other words, when 
when the full strength version, at least today's version of full strength for this team was on the court, we played the number two team in the country pretty much toe to toe in their building. Now, obviously, the, the caveat there is that at the beginning of the game, Romeo gets two fouls, Juwan gets two fouls, they have to leave, and everything goes wrong. And that's what created the big hole. But outside of that, Indiana played well and did some things that I think are going to be there to build on. And it showed what I think is one of the big strengths of this team, which is our mental toughness within the game. This is a team that can adjust. This is a team that can take a punch and come back. Now, what is... The problem, of course, is the slow starts, and this slow start killed us, and slow starts in the future are going to hurt as we face better competition. So if we can just get that figured out, our mental toughness at the beginning of the game, the ability to run the offense we want, to play defense like we know we can, and then you pair that with our mental toughness within the game, the ability to adjust at halftime and come out and play well at the start of the second half and to battle back, now you're going to have the makings of a very good team. As it is, Indiana is a good team that is hugely dependent on two superstar-level players. When they were in the game today, Indiana was right there toe-to-toe with the number two team in the country. When they weren't in there, it went pretty much how you would expect that it would go, and it all ended up equating to a loss for the Hoosiers. All right, uh, today's Hoosier Proud banner moment brought to you, as always, by our friends at Hoosier Proud and Home Field. At homefieldapparel.com, you will find the comfiest and most unique licensed IU apparel available anywhere. At HoosierProud.com, you'll find great state of Indiana-themed apparel while sending 10% of your purchase to causes around Indiana, like Habitat for Humanity of Greater Indianapolis. Both brands were started by an IU grad, and all Hoosier Proud and Home Field apparel is designed and printed out of Indianapolis. And with the new year upon us, turn back the clock by checking out Home Field's IU Crest sweatshirt featuring an IU Crest design that dates back all the way to the year 1910. And it's printed on a fleece tri-blend crew neck that is immensely comfortable. The same material uh, of the Bison logo sweatshirt that I've gushed about ever since I got it. It is truly very, very comfortable. Can a brother get some coupons? And of course, don't forget to use the promo code ASSEMBLY at checkout for 15% off your order on either site. That's promo code ASSEMBLY at HoosierProud.com and HomeFieldApparel.com. All right, well, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. And we will start with the coach, Brian Tonsoni, making his return to the show. Coach, it is Tonsoni time. What's on your mind after this game? Well, it, it was just a struggle from the very start um, with, with the fouls. And I will back up your comments on the uh, getting off to good starts. I, I thought Romeo had two silly fouls, and I thought Juwan uh, put himself in to get fouls, and that just put Indiana behind that the eight ball today and uh, that second uh, TV timeout segment, giving up 16 points. And uh, it was uh, a 19 to four run uh, at some point in there. And that ends up being the difference in, in the, in the ball game. And that's just now needing to be uh, addressed by the coaching staff and the players as to why these starts are happening over and over and over again. The, the positive side is, is that there was a lot of fight and, and there was a lot of fight in a team uh, Obviously, we talk about the injuries a little bit later. Uh, keeping it a ball game and not letting it explode um, gives you a lot of hope going forward. You know, Kansas got beat by 17 at Iowa State uh, yesterday. In league play, things can happen. So overall, this was a game that no one expected Indiana to win. You get off to a very, very tough start. You have some injuries, and, and you fight back. So Hopefully lessons can be learned, things can be fixed, and, and we get some games like this on the road uh, down, the, down the stretch. Yep. All right. It's time for Ryan's rant. Ryan, plenty to choose from. 
Yeah, no, I think that you, we've we've all mentioned we're all going to mention the start because that that's what it you know the problem was. But I'm going to focus more on Romeo Langford and Jawan Morgan. If you're going to win on the road against a highly ranked team, it doesn't matter if you're ranked high if they're ranked higher than you or not. A, a ranked team on the road in league play, your stars have to show up. And while the numbers for Jawan and Romeo in the end were pretty good. What was Juwan like? One of his first, one for his first seven. Both of them got fouls early. I thought each one had a really bad call on them to get to pick up a foul of those early two fouls for both of them. But before your first team B timeout, you've got both guys have two fouls, and then Juwan started one of seven. Romeo was tentative, and it took them a while to really get into the flow of the game. If you look at the way Juwan played in the second half, he dominated. He absolutely dominated. He was virtually unstoppable. He forced some things late, so he missed a few shots late where he was kind of forcing, trying to help the comeback. But in general, you can't have that guy go off the floor, and that's leadership from your best players. I don't care if you're a senior or a freshman. If you're the best player on the floor or one of the best players on the floor, you've got to lead. And and so those guys have to enter games wanting to attack and knowing that they are the key for Indiana to win games. They have to know that, and they cannot put them put their team in a bad situation. Going one of seven on missing layups is not the way to do it. And and um, I love Juwan. I think he's a phenomenal player. I think he's an All American. I've been saying it all year. I've been saying it for two years. How much I love the way he plays. But I, you know, you need better from him today, especially to start the game. If he had played well in the first half, he scores thirty five. You know, and, and this is a ball game. Uh, but again, he really got off to a slow start. And, and when you talk about these slow starts, and I know it's been a topic of conversation for us, you look at the team leaders. That's where this comes from. And, and you can be a coach and you can prepare guys as much as you can. But once they hit the floor, it's out of your hands. And, and I do think maybe there's something that coaches can try and talk and, and change some things up and stuff. But in general, the players are on the floor and they need to be into the game from the tip. There's only so much you can say as a coach to get guys motivated. They need to motivate themselves to start fast. Now, I've also said all year, I'd rather have a team that finishes well than starts well. Today, that came back to bite you because you're playing Michigan. But honestly, if they're playing a worse team today and it's not that road environment and it's not the team that's just fired up and arguably the best team in the country right now, I know Duke's number one, Michigan hasn't lost. Uh, if it's not them, they may come back and win this game. But Michigan was able to stem the tide late because they're a really good team and they're at home. But that said, it's still not acceptable. And you've got to figure out a way to staunch the blood, you know, in these early starts and find a way to sort of, you know, put a tourniquet on and staunch the bleeding. And, and they just can't do it. And again, I blame the leadership. I, I think those guys need to figure out a way to get these guys motivated and get these guys focused early because how your leaders play is how everybody else is going to play. And if they see Juwan really struggling, that's just going to bring everybody's energy down because that's the guy you rely on. And when he's struggling, everybody else kind of like, Oh, you know, how are we going to win this? As you noticed, as he got going, the rest of the team really perked up and started playing better. So yeah. uh, it, it's on those guys to, to, to really push this team uh, to a different level to open the game. Yeah, and it's hard. You know, I mean, so much is being expected of those guys. You know, Indiana's not getting any production from the bench. You, know, you kind of look at it, you felt like you got some good stuff from Al Durham and, and, and Devontae Green today, and they combined for, you know, 15 points and seven boards, and that's nice. But so much is being asked of Romeo and Jawan. But that's with the injuries and just the way the roster is constructed and how good they are. That's just the reality for this team. And what is the through line with all of Indiana's three losses this year? Juwan Morgan has come out, struggled early, picked up fouls. And Ryan, you're right. You know, 
on each of those, for, for Romeo and Juwan, one of the fouls was a bad call. The problem is they had each picked up a silly foul. Romeo just grabbed the guy, I guess, to prevent a breakaway. Just, you know, Romeo's got it. You just got to let that guy go after he lost his dribble really early. And the first foul that Juwan picked up, he just, he didn't really have, he wasn't playing in a stance. He just kind of tried to jump in front of Charles Matthews and bumped him, but he wasn't really in position. It was just kind of a, you know, a cheap, you know, foul because I, I didn't was lazy. Think, well, it was. And, you know, here's the other thing, Coach. You know, Archie talked with Fish on the pregame show about how, you know, a lot of times, you know, sometimes it's defense that causes the issues early. But he thinks for the most part, it's offensive efficiency early in the games that causes the team to struggle. And he really wanted us to not take early threes, really be patient, work the ball around. What does Juwan do on two of the first? Do you free freeze, Jared? Oh, boy. Yeah, Jared froze, I think. <laughs> it was uh, so... What, yeah, I'll Coach. Try, what do you, What do you think as far as as far as that goes? I mean, it, yeah, it's firing a, it's up threes and stuff. Yeah, it's sometimes it's an intensity level. You look at Michigan's first three possessions, and they got into the lane. Um, I I forgot if I if I wrote it down here early. Um, there was a ball screen. Uh, it was five nothing, and we had there was a turnover on a sloppy exchange uh, with Romeo where he picked up a foul, and then I thought we settled. Uh, Indiana settled for a quick three. And all of a sudden, it's four nothing, five nothing, Michigan, and, and you really at key times in in college basketball or any any basketball, you really got to focus in on what needs to be done. And, and maybe this team just needs to to be a little bit more focused on what type of shots, how to play defense early on, uh, because they, they just it seems like it takes them a while to get their engine revved up. And, and you know, Ryan, sometimes you have teams like that uh, where. You, you give them the speech and you get them ready and they go out and you need to, you need that first media timeout to get their attention. And yeah, it's just, it, it's just hard, yeah. hard to figure it out um, from a coaching standpoint, how you could play like that for eight minutes and then really took a good Michigan team to task, not to task, but I thought played really well against a good Michigan team from the, from the 12 minute mark of the first half to the end of the game. Uh, so yeah, I, I think, I think early on we got to, I'd like to see us go to Ro uh, Romeo early at the point a little bit or go to Jawan early. I think sometimes we just let the game flow a little bit. You wonder if, if the best thing to do would just be to simplify and, and just, you know, go to Jawan in the post on the first possession. You know, just simplify the offense as simple as possible to open the game. Then worry about all the other stuff, but just kind of like isolate him in some way and just get him the ball on the block, get a bucket, get things into the flow, maybe do that a couple times down, let him maybe kick out from the post, you know, just really simplify things and make it simple. So the players aren't overthinking it when they get in the game before they've gotten in the flow of the game. And I, and I think that sometimes there's value in that. Now, do I think that solves everything? No, but I think it might be a way to just give a directive like, okay, here's how we're going to attack. This is what we do. And that's what they did in the second half tonight. You could see they just isolated Morgan uh, in the post and just threw it to him repeatedly. So I, I think that maybe if they start the game that way, I'm sure that's the message that, hey, we're going to go to Juwan on the block as much as possible, but maybe they need to go in with set plays just to isolate him and, and get him going just to get the team settled to start the game because definitely that settling down feeds itself on offense and defense. You saw them come out in the beginning of the second half tonight with great defensive intensity. I was shocked with how the first half went and how well Michigan was moving the ball and they were getting everything they wanted. And they were also hitting every shot. But 
in the second half, you saw Indiana come out really focused defensively. A lot of communication, which we didn't see in the first half. And guess what? You, you can complain about that, but on the road, communication goes out the window sometimes for stretches. It just happens because it's loud, because of the adrenaline, whatever. You're just chasing your guy and not talking. Then when you get in the flow of the game, sometimes you can calm down, you block out that crowd noise, and you start talking. And and that happens, and that's why it, there's such an advantage to playing at home versus the road, especially in college basketball. Um, so I would say that I think that that second half, they really came out and were very focused, and it was impressive to see. I mean, they kept mentioning on the broadcast. It was Im- impressive to see them really lock in and lock down, especially down you know, 15 when it could have been 25 and, and they locked down and they actually focused They were, They could have easily just walked out there in the second half, slept, walked through the game and gotten on the plane and gone home, but they fought. And that's, again, that's, that's encouraging, but it's as encouraging as it can be for a 12 point loss. So I, I would say there are encouraging things, but it's still a 12 point loss. You've, you've noticed that uh, there's been adjustments uh, at halftime. Uh, the previous game against Illinois put the ball in Romeo's hands up top into some ball screen ball and screen. roll. You've seen a couple times where they've gone, okay, we're going to force feed Jawan in the post, and we're going to keep going to him in the post uh, coming out of halftime. So maybe that would um, – maybe uh, I think that might be something that you look at as a coaching staff. Do you want, do you want to do that? Um, right at the start, or do you want to keep saving those things for, for your halftime adjustments? But I do think it's time now to take a look at how do you get started offensively and what calls you make to get the team going. Yep. All right, uh, coming up here. He's is back. He's yeah, I'm back. back. <laughs> as we continue our breakdown of Indiana's loss to Michigan, I'll point out today's meaningful moment you might have missed, and we will go inside the numbers to highlight the most important statistical notes from the game. You are listening to the Assembly Call. Stick with us. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. I'm Jared Morris here with Coach Brian Tonsoni and Ryan Phillips, and we are breaking down Indiana's 11-point loss to Michigan on the road today. Another game where the Hoosiers started off poorly and were unable to fully battle back and really make it a game there at the end. And it's time now for today's meaningful moment that you might have missed. And, and, you know, Indiana had a couple of opportunities in the second half where, you know, they got it to nine or they got it to ten. At one point, they even got it to seven. And if they could have strung together a few stops or made a big shot, you felt like they could have broken through and maybe made it a game all the way to the end. And the one that I'll point out is when Indiana got it to 57-50, they had just worked so hard to get back into the game. And to Michigan's credit, and look, this is what good teams do, they just they, they went on a quick 4-0 run to end any thought Indiana had, and that pushed it right up to 11. Uh, and, and look, credit to Xavier Simpson. Archie Miller said on the pregame show, Xavier Simpson's one of his favorite players in the league, and I think we saw a lot of the things that he does that make him so valuable for Michigan today. And, and Those right hook at, shots, man, are they so... Were, they're unguardable. You can't guard that. They are. There's no <laughs> way to guard it. I know, and I think he hit one of those in this run. He had another assist. Juwan missed a wide-open three-pointer that was a good shot, uh, you know, but obviously, you know, if he makes it, that keeps you right there kind of with, within arm's length. But, you know, I really felt that once Michigan went on that run, that was kind of the end. And not that Indiana didn't keep playing hard and they kept getting buckets, but, you know, that, that was really where Indiana's chances of actually coming back and making it a game uh, ended. Coach, any, uh, any particular moments stand out to you from this game that, uh, you know, maybe as we, you know, kind of get in the fog of talking about the start that uh, we might have overlooked a little bit? Yeah, I, I had that moment written down 
um, as well. But then later on, too, at 62-52, coming out of a timeout at the free throw line. Oh, yeah. And, and Green misses a one-on-one -on -one opportunity and then gets beaten on the other end for a drive to push it back up to 12. You get that down to eight uh, with several possessions left in the game. I, I thought that was extremely important. Uh, on, a, on a positive note, they scored 30 points in the first eight minutes. They scored 44 in the remaining 32 minutes. Um, again, so it, this, you know, could have gotten out of hand real, real quick. And, and to, to the guy's credit, um, you just go back to, uh, unfortunately, you know, McRoberts struggled today off the bench and you needed his 22 minutes. Uh, uh it looks like he's still fighting that injury. Uh, he's going to be fighting it all then, season. I mean, this is, this is yeah, just what he's going to be. You know, the bench play off the bench was not what you needed, um, today and and i thought that hurt but yeah those moments there as a coach when you fight back and you get a chance at seven you need that key stop uh at 59 50 they had the ball out of bounds ran a nice uh, pick and pop wide open three for for morgan and he didn't hit those are things you look back on we got the shot that kind of you wanted in that if that goes down it's a six-point game and and momentum swinging um indiana's way so the fight was there a couple key moments uh, might have uh given indiana a chance um, but it didn't turn out. Yeah, you know, another one, even if you go back to the first half, you know, because Indiana started battling back there in the first half, and, you know, they got it to 34-20. They were on a 7-4 to run after it was 30-13 to Michigan uh, at, the, at the second media timeout. And Justin Smith made a nice cut to the basket. Juwan tried to find it, but just threw it right out of bounds. And I'm not exactly sure where he was trying to throw that pass. If Indiana could have connected there, they cut it to 12. Michigan goes right down, and, and Jordan Poole scores to make it 16. Uh, and that was where, you know, we had had a shot clock violation, the possession prior. It looked like we were building a little momentum there. And while turnovers, you know, were not a big issue for Indiana, how many turnovers did we have today? We had seven turnovers. So, I mean, for the most part, we did a good job. And a, a couple lot of, of them early, too. We had four in, like, the first Yeah, time. and a couple of them were backbreaking, you know, like the one that Zach McRoberts had on the bad pass that turned into points. I mean, that's, you know, Michigan just did such a good job of turning those turnovers into points, and we, you know, kind of committed them at points like that, where it's like, man, if you connect there, you're within 12, it's still the first half, you know, you're feeling a little bit better. And so, you know, Indiana... You kind of need those plays if you're going to make a comeback this epic, and this would have been a pretty epic comeback given how the game started. You need all those plays to go your way, and those didn't. Obviously, a lot did yeah. go Indiana's way to kind of battle back, but those didn't that would have gotten them kind of all the way back. So, speaking And there were of, others, too. Speaking of turnovers, I, I just, I mean, I have to segue into Devontae Green. I got to give him credit today. On the road, no turnovers. And he took some questionable shots, but that's that's Devontae. You're going to get some questionable shots. He and also had to take a few of those because he was in yes. lineups where he was the best offensive option. <laughs> yes, and, and I, that's what I was going to say is there was a play where he looked to pass. Nobody was open. He stepped into a three from really deep and made it. And you kind of think like, well, he kind of had to do that. And, and he kind of has to be the one to sometimes force shots when he's in lineups where you're right. When there's no Romeo and there's no Juwan, there's nobody else who can really create right now. I think Rob Finnessy can create because he can drive and split the defense, get the defense to move. But other people are all looking to him to make something happen. Occasionally, we get a drive out of Al Durham, but that's still hit and miss right now. But yeah, I, I think that he had to. And the fact that he was the only guy attacking and didn't have any turnovers represented a lot of progress for me. The thing about Devontae, and we've seen this a few times, is that on the road, he tends to play better than he does at home. And he, he seems to have more offensive focus and is, I don't know, just is, just is more 
calm on the road for some reason. I don't know. Maybe he's just one of those players who likes doing that and, and likes upsetting the home crowd. But he made he a also has plays. a history of playing better against better competition. If you look it's at true. if you look at his like his efficiency numbers, he tends to be better against better teams. So I thought today, really, uh, he was the only reason they didn't get just absolutely waxed in the first half when they were without Jawan and and Romeo for long stretches. And then when Jawan and Romeo uh, had to sit just to get him some rest, I thought he helped keep the team above water. I thought his defense really picked up the last 35 minutes. Uh, Everybody was bad early, so it's hard to pinpoint one person really, you know, who was the problem. They were all bad. And, you know, honestly, against a team like Michigan, if one guy is off with your rotations, everybody looks bad. So I don't know who is the culprit. You kind of have to blame everybody. Uh, but I thought that he played a really good game today and and it really kept the team from sinking. I thought Justin Smith at times was pretty good too, uh, but he struggled at times as well. So you're right. With that no bench scoring and things like that, a guy like Devontae has to play better. And he did. Um, I got a good stat note on Justin Smith. We'll talk about that in a minute. But coach, why don't you chime in here with some thoughts on Devontae? Yeah, you know, I, I don't disagree uh, that, you know, when you look at three assists and, and no turnovers uh, in 34 minutes for Devontae, uh, nine points, and he hit some key shots at times when when Indiana needed some points. I just, there are times when Archie goes to Romeo at the top, and, and I think that's because he wants that offensive set, but I also wonder at times if he feels the offense isn't getting into a flow and it, oh, that's not just turnover. It's not. Yeah, it's you know, defi- that's uh, definitely why. Dribbles, yeah, he dribbles way, way too much for for my liking. Yeah. Um, and, and with shot clock, then you get into some stress situations. Um, so sometimes, you know, you almost need your point guard to turn it over a little bit to make sure that they're moving the basketball and looking for opportunities. I thought today that I thought the offense was a little stagnant, and and the difference in the game for me was point guard play. I thought Simpson did a nice job of getting other people uh, shots, especially in the pick and roll high ball screen early in the game, uh, and then with his you know 1960 hook shots uh, late, was able to get to the lane. And I, I didn't, I, I just think that's the difference. Um, and it's subtle. I don't think Devonte played bad. Uh, but I think Xavier Simpson was the better point guard uh, that got things going for for the complete game. I mean, Xavier Simpson is a natural point guard, and Devontae really isn't. You know, and that's the thing. I thought yeah, Devontae's I, a, really a combo guard. Yeah, I, I thought for what Devontae can do, he did a, a a solid job today. You know, I thought he kind of put more on the table than he took off, and that's what you needed from him to win. You just, you know, a lot of things had to go right to beat the number two team in their place. I thought, you know, I thought you probably got enough from him. I do want to talk about Justin Smith, and we'll. Use Use this as a segue um, into inside the numbers, because you look at, at Michigan. Obviously, you know Jordan Poole did a really nice job; was efficient. Uh, Charles Matthews had a nice day. Ignis Brasdakis, who came in, I believe, is their leading scorer uh, and a guy who I believe was on the uh, midseason Player of the Year list, which Romeo and Juwan were not on. Which, no disrespect to Brasdakis, because he's been great. But any list should have Juwan and Romeo on it if you're going to have Brisdakis on it. Well, yeah, those lists are ridiculous. They, they are ridiculous. Um, but Justin Smith drew the assignment of Brisdakis today. He had 10 points. He was two for seven. He did get to the free throw line seven times, but he missed his three pointers, only two rebounds, no assists. I thought, you know, again, I thought Justin Smith did what you kind of need him to do. He had one kind of wild and crazy drive in the second half that he missed. Fine. Honestly, he, I didn't think that was that bad. I, I didn't really either. No, uh, but, you know, to the point, he played solid defense. He did a pretty good job on the glass. You know, had that great putback to start. 
Um, so as we look at, again, kind of, you know, signs for growth, I thought this was another positive step for, step for Justin Smith, who seems to be really understanding and embracing his role. And he got a really tough defensive assignment. And coach, I thought did a really nice job with it. Well, let's hold on. Let me just step over. Cause remember Brisdake is three of those free throws were a Jawan Morgan foul on a three pointer. I know. And, and, know. and so, yeah. you know, you even can discount that and can't blame those that foul and points on Justin. So I, I think it's even better than it looks on paper. Yep. Meaningful yeah, moment you I might have missed from Ryan. Yeah, I think Justin is is starting to do a nice job, especially defensively. And and yes, in that first half, I thought I noticed that as well because uh, I'll butcher the name, but just call Rod him Iggy, Dinkus coach, or whatever. Iggy, yeah, he's been getting a lot of uh, publicity, having a lot of big games, and he just was not a, a part of the offensive flow. Now maybe didn't need him in that first half because everyone else was going off. But Justin does a nice job. I really like his offensive rebounding. Uh, nine rebounds on a day. I almost would wonder if if there are some ways that we could get him the ball in scoring positions, whether that's, you know, driving. I know he's had trouble finishing at the rim. But, again, if, I know that consistent score conversation is whether we, we buy into that or not. But, boy, his athleticism, if he could, you know, get a few more shots. He was three for four uh, today. I, I think that would really help the offense a little bit. But, yes, uh, Smith is is providing a lot for this Indiana basketball team right now, and it doesn't necessarily have to be be points. Uh, but, yes. No turnovers, I, too. No turnovers. Yeah. That's the key for him is protecting the basketball when he does get his opportunities. And I, I think that coach early in the year, they started isolating him on the block a little bit when they were using Morgan on the perimeter a little more. And he really didn't excel at it. But I agree with you that I think that's something that he might have a shot at being better at at this point. Now that he's more settled in the season is maybe just do what they do with Morgan, isolate him on the block, get Morgan on a wing, and maybe you can kick and get a drive from Morgan if there's nothing there. And, uh, you know, it may be one of those things they have to rethink because of the injuries. I think a guy like Race Thompson, you were expecting to maybe use him in that role, to use him as a back-to-the-basket guy when Juwan's not in the game. Uh, Justin Smith could fill that. Deron Davis, we know, missed today because of an injury. Uh, I mean, it's so hard because you're missing five scholarship players right now, and Zach McRoberts is still hurt and, and dealing with it. And you're just like, God, where do you even go? Like, I really... At times today, I was thinking like, wow, this lineup has nothing. And I'm like, well, what could they change? I mean, really, it's they are hamstrung. And when you go on the road and you've got really what is a young lineup uh, and I just yeah, I mean, I don't know where you go, honestly, right now with this team until you get more guys healthy and hopefully they don't play till Friday. Maybe you can get Rob Finnessy cleared for that game. Please, please. Maybe you can get. Race Thompson. I just wonder if you can't get uh, Justin a little bit of a mid-range game, you know, a little pinch post action where he faces up uh, to the basket, maybe takes a jab step, can pull up, uh, maybe coming off of screens or being a screener and a pick and pop to maybe 16 or 17 feet. Uh, and, and not a lot of it because you got other players that are going to take a majority uh, of, of the shots. But boy, I'd like to see him get more than just uh, points than offensive rebounds. And I think uh, that's just something that has to be developed through skill development, and then you got to earn the trust of the coaching staff to call your number uh, in in those situations. But uh, yeah. with, with the growth that he's had defensively and with his role in rebounding, uh, I'd like to see that maybe added at some point as, as a way to help us score some more points.
I felt like we tried to do a little bit of that early in the season. They it did. seems like they backed off of it. And they I did. wonder and I wonder if the idea was just let's simplify things. Play defense, get on the glass, get in transition, make cuts, and now maybe that he seems more settled, we'll start to see that, coach. Um, you know, some other numbers that jump out. You know, and some of these numbers, man, we would have taken these in a heartbeat coming into the game. Only the seven turnovers we talked about. Indiana, 12 of 16 from the line, 75%. That was solid. But you look at it in a team that's so good at shooting the ball. You know, Juwan Morgan's 9 of 22. I mean, if he just makes the shots he normally makes, you know, that right there, you're almost making up the 10-11 point deficit right there. But the big issue and the big number that you're – really the two big numbers that you're just not going to be able to get away from, Indiana gave up 1.25 points per possession, and they only had uh, – Michigan turned it over three times. And I think that, look, here's, I think that, here's the thing. Oh, All ahead. I want to say, Ryan, and then, and then start is, you know, offensively, we did enough things against an elite defense to stay in the ball game. But this team's identity is defense, and it wasn't there enough today. That's the thing. And so, uh, you know, and I'm sure that's what's really just going to get in Archie's craws the way they came out, you know, defensively to start. This team's not going to win games giving up 1.25 points per possession against an elite defense. And you, you add all that up, you know, it makes sense why the score was what it was, but you do, you know, you kind of feel like, man, we left some real opportunities out there. I think Zach Osterman posted it after the game, but I it was un, it was unverified. He hadn't checked the stats yet, but I think he said that IU scored the most points per possession against Michigan this year in this game, which shocked the heck out of me. But when you look at how successful they were in the second half, that makes sense. I agree with you. The shooting is an issue. And down that's with only two offense, like two you know legit offensive options. You yeah. Know? And you look at 42.6% and, you know, whatever that was from twos, which is not what this team does, but they miss so many layups and gimmies. And uh, on the other end, Michigan shot 50%, but from the Indiana defended the three well. And honestly, if you would just ask me that after the game, what Michigan shot from three, I would have said, ah, 35%, something like that. They shot 25%. They were only four of 16. Indiana defended the three-point line well, which is something you have to do against a John Beeline coach team. Uh, they didn't really send them to the line that much. Sixteen, they got sixteen trips to uh, trips to the line. Twelve of sixteen, exactly what Indiana posted. Uh, so there was no difference. And a lot of times, Indiana has when Indiana hasn't played well or has been in tight games, they've gotten beat at the free throw line and the three point line. They didn't get beat on either one of those today. So you're right, Jared. I think that one of the biggest problems was dribble penetration and allowing Michigan to get into the teeth of the defense and make things happen there. Uh, and again, though, most of that happened in the first half, the second half, it was very solid guys got lost occasionally, but you're also playing an elite, really good offensive team with a great coach and a great system and a lot of talent. And, and so that's going to happen. You're going to have screw ups, but the fact that they held Michigan to 30 in the second half, when it wasn't as if Michigan mailed it in because they were up big, this was a dogfight in the second half mm -hmm. and Michigan was going after it. So Again, there are a lot of positives, but again, we're, we're looking at it as that it's as many positives as you can have for an 11 point loss. So you, there's still a lot to clean up and you can't like, I, I really hope this team doesn't look at this as like fool's gold and think, Hey, we played tight in the second half. Maybe if we just do this with it, no, you've got to look at this as like, we just lost on the road. We need to make this up somewhere because we're now, th we've now got a loss in conference. We got to make this up somewhere. And we got to play better. That's that has to be the attitude moving forward. It can't be complacency. Yep. All right, coming up on the assembly call, we continue our breakdown of Indiana's loss to Michigan. We'll talk about the bench, which once again was a non-factor, but obviously there's a, a pretty good and disappointing reason for that. So we'll cover that all next here on the assembly call. Stick with us.
You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game, plus every Thursday night at our website, assemblycall.com. And while you're there, make sure that you sign up for our free IU Hoops email newsletter. Over 6,000 of your fellow IU fans are subscribed. It will make you a smarter and more well-informed IU basketball fan. I am Jared Morris. I'm here with the coach Brian Tonsoni and Ryan Phillips, and we are breaking down Indiana's 74-63 to loss to Michigan. And, Coach, let's talk about the bench. And, look, you know, you, you have to open any conversation about the bench, you know, with Rob Finnessy is out. Deron Davis didn't play because he turned his ankle. Um, Jerome Hunter, who we all thought was going to be a rotation piece, hasn't played all year. Race Thompson is out. So, you know, you don't offer that as an excuse, but it is an explanation for why Clifton Moore is playing seven minutes on the road against Michigan. And I know that he's done some encouraging things in the minutes that he's gotten, but Clifton at this point in his development is not ready to play against the number two team in the country. Zach McRoberts, God love him. He plays so hard and gives you everything. The problem is he's a shell of himself right now. He's not what he was last year because of the back injury. And going up against guys like Jordan Poole and Charles Matthews, he just physically can't compete. You know, not for any lack of effort. You know, and he's a guy, if he's out there, he's got to be getting you steals and some rebounds and things like that. And he just wasn't able to do some of those things. And then Evan Fitzner, I mean, Clifton Moore was off the bench before Evan Fitzner. So that tells you where Evan Fitzner is right now in the rotation. He got off one three-pointer. He missed it and didn't do much else. So, Coach, this is another game where Indiana got zero points from its bench. It got two rebounds in 39 minutes of play, if my quick math is right, which it, I think it is. So, you know, what do you do right now if you're Archie Miller? Because you just don't have that many options there. I mean, I I felt like he kind of managed the foul trouble and the substitutions and things about as well as he could have. He's just, he's running out of options until we start getting some guys back healthy. And and you can't win with a completely non-existent bench like this. It's very difficult because in key stretches, uh, when when you go to the bench and, and play, is is a lot worse than when you had the other guys in and you can't overcome that the the stretch there from the first media timeout to the second media timeout both Romeo uh, and Jawan were on the bench and it was a 16 to 4 disadvantage for Indiana and, and they lost by 11 there were, <laughs> and they lost by 11 and, and so you know I, I actually thought Cliff Moore was the best guy off the bench today I, agree. Uh, I thought there were two or three possessions where he changed shots underneath the basket I think there was might have been one where he got lost and and someone scored and maybe or maybe got fouled uh, might have been his responsibility and, and then uh, the one offensive possession uh, I think it was a shot clock was starting to run down he had to take a turnaround jumper baseline jumper but uh, he looked a little bit more uh, you know athletic and fluid in the game for his seven minutes um, and, and that, that's only going to help what you have to do is, is continuously do skill development with guys and hope that some of the guys that aren't ready uh, can give you seven, ten minutes. And the, the production is at least average until you get your guys back in. And, and I do think that Archie did a nice job of managing the two-file situation and keeping uh, Indiana in the game uh, with, with his substitution patterns in the, in the first half. But without bench, even not just points, just production overall, defending, rebounding, it's it's hard to win in the Big Ten, let alone against the one of the top teams in the country. Right? Yeah, I mean, Ryan, I don't know that there's a lot else to say about the bench. Do you have any thoughts? Because it's just, it's such an incomplete bench right now. No, I mean it, it it is, and and it's you know you're missing. Let's see, guys who were injured today: 
Rob Finnessy, who would be a starter, which would push Devontae Green to the bench, which would mean his points would be off the bench. Uh, Rob Finnessy, Race Thompson, uh, Deron. We, we counted this down at the start of the you segment. <laughs> but I mean, but I, I'm and just Jake saying, Forrester, you know, I, I, you know, Jake Forrester. I'm, I'm reinforcing what you said. It's just, yeah. it's insane to be missing that many guys at this point of the season, and it's just bad luck. I mean, there were there were jokes about people this week saying whoever in West Lafayette has. IU voodoo dolls, please stop putting pins in them for a while. And and it's true. I mean, it's just, I don't know. It, 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 there's nothing really you can do about it. And like we said, in some lineups, what are you going to do? Like, who are you going to go to when things go bad? And uh, you just kind of have to weather the storm. And that's all IU can do at this point is just weather the storm and, and hopefully start to get some guys back. Um, let's talk about Al Durham real quick. We, you know, we've talked about him a little bit. I, he had six points. He had three boards. He had an assist. Only one turnover. Here's what I would say about him, Coach, is I think this is a matchup that in the past, even the recent past, would have swallowed him whole, and he wouldn't have really produced. Now, part of it is he was out there for 32 minutes. You're out there for more minutes. You're going to get more opportunities. But I saw early on, there was a stretch in the first half where he basically kept Indiana alive. He had a bucket. He had a nice assist to Juwan Morgan. He drove to the lane and got fouled. That was three straight offensive possessions where we needed someone to step up, and Al was there ready to, to do it when no one else was going to step up. I thought he showed some growth just in his mentality. You know, he didn't settle for jump shots. He found a way, in, you know, in a physical game against a physical team to drive to the lane, you know, got some contact. So, you know, not like a huge breakout game for him by any means. But I've been a guy who's been very critical of him in certain matchups, saying he kind of disappears. I thought he, you know, kind of fought through that today to make himself a factor. And I was impressed with that, at least that growth that I saw from him today. I agree. I thought he was really, really good in the first half, uh, both offensively and defensively. And then I, I thought maybe he struggled to guard the bounce a little bit in the second half, and that might be playing 32 minutes, and, and that's just he's got to do it, and that, that might have been some fatigue. The thing that I've been most impressed with with L is his ability to score and especially shoot the basketball. And again, for a team that at times uh, is looking for some offense, that's some things that I think uh, this team is really minus one shooter. If they had a shooter with Juwan's inside presence and Romeo slashing, and they had one just dead three-point shooter, this this team could score uh, in, in many ways. Hey, what's, that, that's what Fitzner was what, supposed to be. What, what's Jordan Hulls up to these days? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, and I'm not sure L's the answer there, but um, I think that's something that that he's done done well. I think L just needs to make sure that he doesn't force it. I think. There was one time in that 57-50 stretch you mentioned in an earlier segment where I think he took an off-balance layup, uh, drove the lane, and uh, I don't think it was at the end of the shot clock. That was a key possession to get a good shot from your probably best two players uh, to remain in the game. He was but trying to get fouled, that, I, I think. But, yeah, yeah. Other than that, I, I think he, he's done a nice job uh, for this team and is given uh, a little bit more than maybe what people expected at the beginning of the year. Yeah, you know, he kind of filled the role today that you needed him to fill, that if you had your full complement of players, would have been the kind of contribution that you can win with. It was just everybody had to do so much more today. And I guess, you know, as we, you know, Ryan, as, as we've learned over the eight years that we've done this postgame show, you know, you can kind of ebb and flow and we kind of work out our emotions, you know, after a game. You can sometimes come in really disappointed and you kind of talk yourself into feeling a little bit better about it. Sometimes you come in thinking, OK, and then you start breaking it down, you feel worse. This is a game that I think I'm 
I'm feeling better about the more that we talk about it because, you know, the clear demarcation between the start and the finish. And I, I was on a, I don't remember whose radio show it was. And they asked, you know, what, what's it going to take to stop these poor slow starts? And I said, well, maybe it's just going to take us having a slow start and getting bitten by it and losing a game. Because I think it's somewhat natural if you start out slow, but you're always able to come back and you're always able to win. Like you just kind of, problem with it. Yeah, yeah, you know, you might say it and you might even think to yourself, we're going to start out better, but it's like you have a natural comfort zone. And so what I really hope comes from this game, a game that, you know, we had, I think, a 20% chance to win on Ken Palm. We were probably going to lose this game, maybe even if we had everybody available, is, you know, just like the Duke game kind of spurred us to some better play, and we won a whole lot of games after that. If we can learn an important lesson about, you know, starting better and figure some things out, you combine that with getting some more guys back, you know, then maybe we can look back at this as a positive turning point. So... I'm feeling a little bit better about it because of that. It doesn't take away my disappointment in the defense and, you know, feeling like we, you know, left some good opportunities out there. But this game, just like the Duke game, and you came on here in the Duke game and had to, you know, put a good spin on it that proved true. I think it's important to keep that in mind. Now, obviously, we'll have to play well the rest of January for that to, you know, to look back on this with any type of, you know, positive feelings. But I think the potential for there is that if these guys can learn the lesson that needs to be learned from this game. Yeah, it's worth noting this is still a very young team. I mean, we might have two seniors that have been around a long time, have been through a lot, but this is still a very young team, and they're learning a lot of young team lessons, and they're doing a lot of young team things, like not starting fast, like having lulls in the offense where everyone kind of stands around. Some of that is just what young teams do, regardless of coaching, regardless of how drill, how well drilled they are and things. That's just what young teams do, and it's hard to avoid it. It's the very rare young team that doesn't do that stuff. So... I think that you are seeing that show up. And, and, and even some of the guys who are veterans are playing in new roles. And so it's really like they're doing it for the first time and, and you know, first full season. So uh, it's, it's an awkward sort of situation to be in when you're young and wanting to compete. And, and so you are going to see things that pop up. You're going to see no communication on defense at times. You're going to see guys kind of lost offensively wandering through the lineup and it's just because they're not used to having that much intensity for that long especially on the road and again not you know it's not an excuse it's just the truth and and, and so at times you're going to see that and right now their bugaboo is is slow starts as this team matures hopefully it's something they figure out and get better at but for now they're going to have to keep fighting through it and and really wake up and figure out what's going on and like i said like coach and i were talking about it might just be a situation where they have to simplify things to start games offensively uh, defensively i think you might be able to fuel some intensity off of the the offense being successful but i think they may have to just go completely simplified and just isolate juan to start games in the post and just get it down there no matter what Mm-hmm. Coach, your thoughts on that? Well, we just, in order to really see what Indiana has, you just need the guys to, to see the rotation, uh, what, what's going on. And, and I agree with everything that, that Ryan said. Um, and, and I think this team needs a chip on its shoulder. When there's a chip on its shoulder, they've they've been able to play. And credit to the players, credit to Coach Miller, who's made some adjustments in these games to, to when uh, teams are – uh, where Indiana's down by 10, you come back, and, and the, the number of close games that Indiana's won. So there's a lot of positives 
there. The, the, the frustrating part from a coaching standpoint and a player standpoint is why does it take till you know, the eight minute mark of the first half to realize what needs to be done. And, and as you play at Maryland uh, coming up on Friday night, you give a team like that, that is good. Uh, but you give them a good start on a home crowd. And then that, then it becomes, that's a team you really could beat and maybe should beat, but that start then hurts you T- today was going to be tough regardless. Um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, the coaching staff, you always look at what calls you're going to make early. How do you get the team going? Uh, and then at halftime, what do you do to, to try to get back in it? Uh, you know, I, I look at Michigan, they had livers out and, and they only played seven guys. They had one guy at four minutes and one guy at one minute. You, d- you don't uh, count that. We, we played eight guys, but you get some guys back in the rotation and, and, I just think Indiana hasn't played their best basketball and they're 12 and three and three and one in the big 10. And and that's a credit to the whole program to uh, next man up and next strategy and, and handling all the adversity that's happened to this program. You're 12 and three and looking like you're anywhere from a three to a six seed in the NCAA tournament right now. Uh, It's frustrating as a fan to see the losses and see some of the bad plays and fouls, but it could be uh, a lot worse given the level of adversity injury wise and, things that have happened to this ball club and, and coach real quick we'll end this segment on this <clears throat> you know it's easy to look at you know the slow start and obviously you know the, the coach to a certain extent is responsible for the way the team starts and comes out to play although your point was well taken that you made ryan i, I thought this was a well-coached game by archie i really thought he you know he proved that he's not dogmatic with his two foul thing i mean he took romeo and juan out some in the first half but he got him back in there and he played him you know in the second half when they had three fouls because i mean he had to i mean he knows that this team just doesn't have a chance otherwise you know we did a nice job on some you know some out of bounds plays underneath came out well and adjusted in the second half team kept fighting it, you know i thought overall this was another game that increased my confidence in the guy who's at the controls on the sidelines because I think you've got to view it within the larger context that you just laid out. Um, and I think if you do that, you can walk away from this you know, feeling good about the coach and the team despite the really frustrating result. Yeah, I did think it was interesting how he how he changed things. Sorry to cut you off. I just I, I think it was right. interesting how he changed things and and really made adjustments. That, that was like that, Charles Matthews steal at the top of the key and just going yeah, the other way for. A... <laughs> but no, I thought that was a really smart way to change things and, and adjust. And and you've seen him make second half adjustments that that really uh, have made the team better and 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 really improved what they've been doing. The thing that frustrates me as a fan is. Um, is the lack of offense. Uh, and so I'm starting to, you start to doubt, okay, are, are we really doing things well offensively? But then you see some of the adjustments and, and Indiana ends up scoring 63 points and then you relax and say, okay. Uh, sometimes the best plans don't work out and, and you got to go to a different, um, a, a different scheme or a different uh, alignment, those types of things. And it's nice to have a coach that, that can do that. I think Archie really needs to look at how to get started. And, and and that's, you know, coaches kick themselves all the time after after every loss. Uh, you know, whether you, you you had a timeout ready for in a clutch situation or, or you made this adjustment or this substitution. And, and so every time you lose, you're, you're looking at that. And, and that will be addressed. The, the only concern for me is 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 offense early. Um, and, and I think sometimes maybe that lend hurts on the other end when when the shots aren't going in or you're turning the ball over 
uh, sometimes you hang your head on defense and a half second later, someone's at the basket scoring. So I mean, I think part of that um, is Juwan uh, likes to be a jump shooter at the start of games and Romeo kind of takes yeah. a while to get going. And that's, you know, those are the two biggest elements of our offense. Those guys, I feel like, and, and this goes back to the point Ryan made earlier. I feel like those guys have to be assertive in the way that they are best early in the game. Yeah. I might suggest to let, you know, like in the second halves of games and you feed the post four straight possessions, uh, maybe that's something to do at the beginning of the game. Or maybe you have Romeo coming off that double ball screen action early in the game and then go away from it again and come back to it if, if need be. I, I think you might see some new things at the beginnings of games uh, to try to help uh, help that situation. But, yeah, I think, obviously, you got a drop that you can throw in there all the time. But I, I, I do like Archie Miller. And even when, as a fan, that starts to get – I start getting into that Facebook fan group kind of mentality where you're mad because they don't score or they take a bad shot. you got to sit back and realize that uh, the, the, the defense has kept Indiana in games, the offensive adjustments, and, and playing without complete lineups. Archie's really done a great job uh, to get Indiana where they're at. I have I a mad lesson. crush on Archie Miller. And I think, I think the lesson here is just never go on Facebook, Coach. It's yeah, just, that's – I'm about done. I'm yeah, about you should done. be. It's Facebook is. Every three weeks. It's Good. a cesspool at the center of a cesspool. Get off there. Get off Facebook. Just come hang out in the uh, in the private IU basketball community that we created over on my. There networks. you go. Much better. It, it is a safe place in there. It's a very safe place. Very safe and pleasant place. Even after losses like this. Uh, all right. Coming up on our final segment, we hand out our game ball. We hit any other uh, lingering storylines that we haven't hit yet. Uh, and then in last call, we will deliver our final thoughts on Indiana's loss to Michigan. All of that coming in our final segment on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. Listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Ryan Phillips, here with the coach Brian Tonsoni. We are wrapping up our breakdown of Indiana's loss to Michigan on Sunday afternoon up in Ann Arbor. And gentlemen, this is the point in the show where we hand out our game balls. I'm definitely not giving a game ball to my internet connection, which uh, went out there in the first part of the show, which really is just fitting. You know, here we are talking about yeah, talking about slow starts and the host of the show, his internet connection pops out. So nice timing on that internet connection. Um, but let's let's hit up our game balls. We enter this game. Juwan's won five. Romeo's won five. Duran has won two. Rob Finnessy with one and Devontae Green with one. Um, Coach, why don't you go first? Who gets your game ball today? You know, how, how do you not hand it to a guy who had a great second half and, and kept Indiana in the game in Juwan Morgan, 25 points, eight rebounds. Um, but I do agree with, with you know, Ryan that he, when we really needed him at the beginning of the game, he was in foul trouble and he was one of seven on, on some shots earlier and your stars got to play um, not perfect on the road, but they got to play, you know, consistent on the road. And so I think it has to go to Jawan Morgan, but I, I, I'm just really happy with Justin Smith's play overall. Uh, I don't know how you give it to Justin Smith when he only had six points, but, but nine rebounds. Because uh, of his ball. defense. But, you know, when you, but when you lose, um, and, and as a coach, I'm not all about the points all the time. Uh, I think Justin outplayed his expectations. Uh, and so maybe that's where, where I would go. But I, I'm probably going to, and rightfully should get outvoted on that. Well, who is it? Who Are you giving it to Justin? Is that, I, I'm going to say Justin Smith just from the coaching um, okay. 
perspective, I, I thought he outplayed his expectations uh, today. Go All first. Right. You go. You go next, Jared. No, I want to go. I want to go last. And once, ah. uh, <laughs> there right, I'll, be. Go. I'll go. Uh, for me, it comes down to two guys, and it's Devontae Green and Juwan Morgan were the two guys it came down to. And I got to give it to Juwan just because he owned the second. He was the best player on the floor in the second half, owned it. Uh, I agree with Coach that it was a slow start. And if he hadn't been as dominant as he was in the second half, I would have gone with Devontae Green because I think Devontae is the one guy who kept us alive at all and with a chance to come back. Even though he only had nine points, he had four rebounds, three assists. He rebounded really well. I thought he played good defense, didn't take a lot of his bad shots. So, of course, I'm grading on a curve there for Devontae. But I thought on the road in a tough environment, he was the one guy who seemed to be calm and focused the whole game. Um, and, and really locked in. But Juwan Morgan, just he, he owned the second half, so I have to give it to him because every time they needed a bucket, they kept going to him. And uh, he, he missed a couple late that he kind of probably normally wouldn't take, you know, just kind of forcing a layup, forcing a drive, and, uh, you know, a spin move or whatever the hoop and just trying to get something going. But uh, I would say that he certainly 25 points, eight rebounds, three offensive rebounds, um, a missed having uh, – four fouls and working with that I, I have to give it to Juwan you know it's a hard one and it, it does show how difficult of a curve Romeo and Juwan get graded on um, you know Romeo had 17 points six boards a couple of assists he was the only Hoosier well Evan Fitzner was plus one I guess but that's kind of an anomaly but Romeo was you know right there at even for the 31 minutes that he played um, the thing with Juwan Ryan is that you know when the game was decided it was some of Juwan's poor decisions that I thought kind of led to that. You know, Coach, you talked about the offense at the beginning. I thought Juwan taking some early shots. That's not what the coach wanted, you know? And so so I'm actually, I, I, I hesitate to do this too because I feel like this is kind of like senior Yogi thing where he's got to be perfect to get a game ball. But I'm going to give it to Justin too because he ended up leading the team in minutes. And I think you can't overlook his defense on a guy like Iggy Brzezakis. You know, because while a lot of, of Michigan's other guys went off and defense was the biggest issue, to me, the guy who actually played the best defense gets some extra credit for that. So it's not going to jump off automatically in the box score. But Justin led the team in minutes with 35. He's not the score Romeo and Juwan are, so we had to have those guys scoring to get us back in the game. But the fact that Brzezakis wasn't going off, the fact that Justin was able to you know, do the best job on the glass of anybody out there, to me, I, I think that, that gives him the game ball. Um, so it'll, that'll be Justin Smith's first game ball of the season. So congrats to, uh, to Justin. And that's a tough one. I mean, I, I, can, I can see some arguments the other way, but... Uh, for the defense, I'm giving it to Justin. Uh, by the way, quick special mention to the IU women who beat Michigan State at home. I think they are now 3-0 and in the Big Ten and 13-1 and overall with their only loss. A weird anomaly to Grambling State in like a tournament in Puerto Rico that they lost by two. Otherwise, they'd be undefeated. So And they've won 19 straight home games, I think I read. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So game ball to the IU women. Who are... especially, especially after losing like two of the best players in program history. And they're really playing well, so good for them. Are there any storylines we haven't hit yet that you guys want to jump in on? I think we covered most no, of the we, angles we, of this. We, we, we won't play till Friday. I think that's a storyline. I think it's a good storyline for this team. <laughs> I know. And, and look, I, I just want to state this real quick, and Ryan or Coach, you can jump in too. Uh, every single time we mention that uh, Rob and race are out with concussions. You know, people are almost incredulous. You know, they, I guess they've been trained with the NFL that a guy gets a concussion for a week and he's supposed to be back. 
someone had a great comment on this. I don't remember who it is. I, I wish I could credit them, but we know so much more about concussions now. This is why they're treated differently. Because if you come back a little bit early, you risk further injury. And so, look, none of us are doctors. We don't know how bad the concussions are. I know after the last game, Archie said, you know, that was the first time he had seen Rob smile. So clearly he's been going through something and it's been difficult coming back. All I know is this. If my son played for Indiana, I would want them to be extra cautious and 100% certain that all the symptoms were gone before they played them. And if that means that maybe they have to miss a game or two because you're being overly cautious, fine. And if that costs us a win, fine. And I think if you don't think that way, you're doing fandom wrong. So I think we need to stop. I don't know. Like, There's like a critical tone that I see. And I just... I don't understand it. Let's trust the doctors. Indiana has some of the best doctors that there are looking at this stuff. And I just think that we need to trust them and absolutely 100% put the best interests of Rob and race in, in mind and make sure that they're 100% ready when they come back. So that's yeah, guys, the other story. I, I, I think, to touch I think on. it's worth noting that these guys, if you aren't fully recovered from a concussion, the chances of you getting another one go up exponentially. And we're talking from an easy, you could take a, a slight elbow to the head in practice, which by the way, happens all the time. Uh, or, you know, a guy jumps over you, kind of lands on you awkwardly, maybe hits the top of your head or something. And it can cause a recurrence of the concussion if you are not fully recovered. Basketball is a physical game. They're not wearing helmets out there. Stuff happens. And other sports are starting to catch on as well as like soccer. And you see other sports where they're really starting to take this stuff seriously. The NFL is not the model you should be looking at because the NFL, quite frankly, does not care about this stuff. The NFL has shown repeatedly it cares about money. It's going to put in the least restrictive concussion protocol it can because it doesn't care. I mean, the NFL fought a concussion lawsuit when it knew exactly what it did to the players and hid it from the players and fought a concussion lawsuit and then went to settle and fought the payout when it knew exactly what it had done. And so using that as the example, well, hey, so-and-so was only out for like a week with a concussion in the NFL and the football is harder than basketball. Yeah, that's because the NFL puts in the least restrictive uh, formula for it. I'm glad Indiana's taking his time. Both Race and Rob are very young players. Concussions can end your career if you get too many of them. This should be something that the team takes its time with. And, and you know, the concern is with the player, not with winning a couple games in January. The concern is with the player and their long-term health, and that's the way it should be, and that's doing sports right. Absolutely. And Absolutely. Um, so we won't look ahead to Maryland because we've got a show between now and then. Quick programming note, Banner Monday will be on Tuesday this week. I've got a scheduling conflict on Monday, so we're going to do it on Tuesday at the regularly um, scheduled time. We'll have Assembly Call Radio on Thursday night, so plenty of time to look ahead to the Maryland game. And then, of course, the IU-Maryland game uh, on Friday night. Um, yeah, so we'll be, we'll be here after that game. All right, gentlemen, let's go to uh, last call, get some final thoughts on this and go see what's happening in this football game. By the way, is it a coincidence at all that Andy couldn't be available for this and there happens to be an Eagles game going on right now? I thought that's why he couldn't be available. I just assumed. No, it's in, in his defense. And Jen did send me a picture. Hannah did have a game. So he's there at the game. He did have dad duties to do. But it's, well, I, it's not an interesting he's not home watching it right now because it might. it's about to end badly for the Eagles. Uh -oh, is potentially. It? Oh, boy. Yeah, they're, they're down 15 to 10 and it's fourth and goal. They have the ball and the chances oh score 
with one minute left. Oh boy. Oh boy. All right. Well, let's go to uh, let's go to last call, Coach. Let's get your final thoughts on today's Indiana loss. Um, as frustrating as it has been to watch Indiana, even in victories, you know, have close wins and all of that. And to be honest, they haven't passed the eye test yet as a top level team. Uh, capable of playing the Michigans, the Dukes. And that has to be frustrating uh, for the fans of Indiana. Uh, stay with it because the program's in the right direction. Uh, and, and there's just been some crazy things that have happened to this uh, team. And they're 12-3. And they're, they're and, and Indiana, barring something just catastrophic, will be in the tournament again where Indiana belongs. And, and things will get righted. Indiana has not played their best basketball yet. And I think that they will start soon. And that starts with uh, some of these experiences, plus getting everyone healthy. Indiana basketball is in a, in, in a good place. Absolutely. Ryan, last call. Yeah, another rough start for Indiana, but you got to also take into account you're playing a team that hasn't has only lost one game in like 18 months, it feels like, or whatever it is. Uh, they Michigan's just a really good team, and they played very well. Um, I, I will stick with the fact that I think that they're still missing something. Maybe it's something they have on the roster and that will develop throughout the year. I'm not sure they're the best team in the country. Not sure they're a championship team, but they are a very, very, very good team. And that's a tough place to play. And Indiana showed it early on and did not play well. And the leaders didn't step up. But I will say this team has shown repeatedly that it has a lot of fight and it continued to fight all the way to the final whistle. and. Honestly, that that's that's great, and that that's a real positive because this team, when it's in a dogfight, does not get outfought, and, and so that will pay dividends in the end of the season uh, and at the end of games to come. And you know, as I said off the top, I'd rather be a second half team than a first half team. Uh, you just gotta kind of make it so not being a first half team doesn't crush you as it did today. So hopefully they have a lot to build on. Hopefully they get healthy this week or healthier, I guess this week and can go into Maryland feeling good about themselves and, and go out and pull a win there. Good friend of the show, Kent Sterling after the game tweeted, Indiana fans can either feel good about the way Indiana fought back or like crap because they dug a hole for themselves in the first 10 minutes. My my reply to him was how about both? And I think that's kind of a fair way to think about this game because you saw over the first 10 minutes the biggest issue that this Indiana team faces and why, coach, to your point, they aren't an elite team. You know, they're, you know, they were 21st in the AP poll. We'll see if they fall out of it. I think they're 28th, 29th in Ken Palm right now. You know, that feels about right. That's where this team is. They're about 20 to 30, somewhere in there where they can beat those teams, but they're not ready to beat the high level teams yet because they're not ready to play 40 minutes. I think in part that's because of maturity. Um, and just, you know, having a young team needing to build chemistry. And certainly in part, it's because of injuries and just not being very deep and guys needing to play 35, 36, 37 minutes. And it's, you know, hard to play the kind of defense Indiana needs to play when you're, you know, you don't have guys that are able to to give you a break and you're still kind of learning it together. So that's why that you could feel really disappointed because gosh, you know, if you had come out and just played competitive the first 10 minutes, you're in this game till the end and you feel good about Indiana's chances in a close game. But at least when they did get down and it's 30 to 13, you're coming out of that, un that, that second media timeout, they battled back and beat Michigan from that point on, you know? So for the majority of this game, they actually played, you know, they outscored Michigan, but that start just killed them. And so if they can get that figured out, this team right now is a good team. They have a chance to be a very good team. And if they can get guys healthy and get depth, they still have the potential to be even better than that. So I think everybody needs to remember 
as we go here in January, and we've talked about it since the offseason, but it's really hard to do when you're in the midst of it. January is going to be hard. It was always going to be hard. It's going to be even harder because of the injuries. So we're going to take some losses just like we did today. We're going to take on a little bit of water, but we always kind of looked at, you know, February and March when the schedule opens up and this team has more experience playing together. And now hopefully when they're healthier, that this team could really hit their stride. So we're certainly going to try and do it on this show. Remind ourselves of that, remind you of that, but you know, just kind of stay strong. And as long as the team is showing you enough like they did today, keep the faith, stay supportive, stay confident, because I still think this team is on track to be really good by the time February rolls around and into March. Um, and they're going to you know, have the opportunity to rack up enough wins in the Big Ten that you should be able to feel good about the NCAA tournament chances and all of that, which is way out there. But it's just a reminder to see the big picture it's going to be hard to do when some of these losses come in January, which they probably will, but see the big picture because I think the big picture still looks pretty good uh, for Indiana uh, right now. Um, I do want to remind you that because you're an Assembly Call listener, you get 15% off your entire order at HoosierProud.com and HomeFieldApparel.com. Forgot to do this before we did last call. Uh, so I want to, if you want officially licensed IU gear, go to HomeFieldApparel.com. And if you want one of our Assembly Call logo t-shirts or one of Hoosier Proud's unique Indiana-inspired designs, Visit HoosierProud.com on both sides. Use the promo code ASSEMBLY at checkout for 15% off your entire order. All righty. That is going to do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. And you can also subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Thank you for listening. We'll be back on Tuesday. Remember, Banner Tuesday, not Banner Monday uh, this week to talk IU hoops. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com slash support that lists five ways that you can support the Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate... Another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show, we appreciate it. Thank you. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client.